Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Andrew P. Shea. It's that great time of year. It's spring. Because spring practice has started, Andy. And that, of course, means that James Franklin will meet with the press. He has the spring practice, meet the media. And, you know, you always deal with coach speak when a coach meets the media. That's part of it. It's just fortunate for us here that we have a guy with a master's degree in interpreting coach speak, and that's you, Andrew P. Shea. Oh, I love that. I do uh, I do enjoy James Franklin's coach speak more than most. I, I enjoy it. And I'll tell you what, though. I say that in jest, but I believe the fact Absolutely. is, James, James Franklin, you got to interpret some of the things he says, but I do believe he is pretty straightforward in a lot of ways. In fact, to the point where... He comes out, says something factually, but everyone wants it there to be interpreted in different ways instead of taking it at face value. So let's go through the press conference. There was plenty there that's going to fill up the show. A lot of topics to talk about. Let's get right to it. The, the first item on the agenda was Dion Barnes getting hired, which I believe a lot of Penn State fans were rooting for that one of their own, a Penn Stater, but he's fairly young and inexperienced. And then the other issue we had was, Andy, he wasn't hired right away. Sometimes these coaching hires from James Franklin happen in a day or two. This one took a couple weeks. Interpret this for me. What did it all mean? So I think I think this was, I think James wanted to hire him all along, but he wanted to be sure. That's what I think. I think this was, I think Dion was the guy James Franklin wanted to hire, but I don't think he was James Franklin, the pragmatic football coach. I don't think he was James's first choice, first, you know, choice. He's the guy he wanted to hire, but he's like, can this 30 year old, you know, kid be my first choice? He played for me for gosh sakes. Um, He's 30 years old and it's the defensive line. Can he be my first choice? I think the answer to that was yes, but he had to make sure and go through a process to make to to get himself there. And I also think he wanted to announce it to the team. So I think he's known this for longer than when they announced it, right? Like you're right, generally they do, but it is an outside the box hire. I think James is in a good was in a good position to do that. I mean, Jimmy, you just don't see many you just don't see top 25 programs in the country take a position coach who was and hire him straight from being a GA. Now, he was an analyst, but he just had a cup of coffee as an analyst. It's not like he had a whole season as an analyst. You don't see many top you don't see top 25 programs going GA to position coach, especially on the DL, but it just seems like it fits, right? And you've seen young, fast risers as coordinators, right? Guys in their early or mid-30s. You've seen them rise. You've seen them rise in college to coordinators and be successful. You've seen them move on to the NFL as coordinators and head coaches. So why not 
why not James and Penn State hire one in Deion Barnes? I mean, he's he's been there. He's seen it all. He doesn't need to learn the room. Um, he knows the players. He knows what he has. He had partial skin in the game in their instruction in 2022 and 23. So I kind of like it. I like it a lot. And I think why not, right? Like, if you question, like, there's a hundred questions you could ask of why did he hire Dion Barnes? And my favorite answer is, well, why not? Because you can't find a tangible reason not to hire him. I still think recruiting and him being 30 years old and being recruited by Joe, played for Joe, played for Bill O'Brien, played for James Franklin, Pennsylvania born, from Philly, has a ton of Philly roots. There, there's a, plenty of, uh, defensive line talent that comes out of Philadelphia. Um, It's a big year to make a move, but I also never forget about recruiting when it comes to James Franklin. I mean, it's a big year for expectations for this team. And to me, that speaks to what Deion Barnes capability that James is like, okay, here's I'm hand, you know, not handing you the keys of the car, but you got the defensive line. Check back with me. I'm in agreement with you, Andy. I like the move also. Um, I like the fact that he's a Penn Stater. I like the fact that they were already calling this guy a rising star. Maybe in a best-case scenario, it would have taken another year or two to get him there. Maybe in a best-case scenario, he would have gone off to a smaller school and gotten some actual coaching experience. But the pluses, I think, far outweigh those minuses. And the other part that I'll keep pointing out is you know what you're getting. And both James Franklin and Manny Diaz talked. They know the guy. They've worked with them. They've been in the room with them for the last couple of years. So they know him. And right. it's essentially been <laughs> he's been interviewing for this job for the last couple of years, meaning his his work day-to-day over the last couple of years. I'm very happy with it. I don't think, if you also look at the team of coaches, the the entire group, you probably don't want an entire staff of 30-year-olds. But if you have the good mix of the younger guys, the older guys, you've got a good mix there. And there is no doubt a younger coach who played recently, played the way this guy has, played in the league. He can relate to the young people. And the fact that he has the Philadelphia background, which can be a prime recruiting area for Penn State, it all fits. The pluses far outweigh the minuses, in my opinion, Andy. Yeah, the so. first thing for me that De- for Deion Barnes is he he has to recruit this position a little bit better. He has to get a little bit more high-end talent. That's just the pressure that's going to be put on him. That's what, that's going to be the first step for him. I mean, he's going to coach the, the defensive line in the spring, but recruiting-wise, the first thing is to up the ante a little bit. That'll be the first bright light that James Franklin's going to put on him. Exactly. And yep. as much as you, it's important for what you do in uh, developing the talent, first got to bring the talent in. So we'll, we'll see how he does there. Let's move on. Uh, James Franklin hit on a lot of topics. It was fascinating, the discussion about the the offensive line. There were a couple notes where uh, Olu Fashanu is a full go. go he mentioned 
Landon Tangwall said uh, they said he'd be a full go by practice number three. So that's interesting. But probably the most interesting thing to me was the idea of Drew Shelton, who's been comfortable and playing on the left side at left tackle. Well, you're not going to play in front of Fashionu. He's going to be moved to right tackle and competing with Caden Wallace. What did you think of that comment? So this is more, yeah, this is more, you have to know how to, you know, what James Frank, what crumbs James Franklin drops around. And I think the, he is earnest in when, when he speaks is my favorite word to use when you describe him publicly speaking. But to me, this says for Wallace that, that he has been put on alert that his future is a right tackle for, for Penn state is under a full frontal assault. And I don't say that from a negative perspective either. To me, that says a lot about Drew Shelton, that, that James let this like little kitty out of the bag this early. Like, yeah, no, we're not, uh, we're not playing around. Uh, Drew Shelton is going to move the right tackle and Drew Shelton and Caden Wallace are going to compete for the starting right tackle job. And who's going to be our right tackle. Uh, that's, and that's a, that's a mic drop almost when it comes to James Franklin. He's, he's normally not so bluntly revealing when it comes to, you know, you know, we've already asked the question, are they, do they, will they have to move him? He played well at life's left tackle. This is going to be a competition and Wallace already clearly knows that, you know, Shelton, he played left tackle under duress last year when Olu got hurt and, he wasn't a, a standout left tackle. He's a true freaking freshman. But man, damn, he was good under fire under the fire that he was thrown into. I thought he was very good under the f- fire that um, he was thrown into. And for James to come out and say this right now, that that is across the board on any level on any process they have to make a decision. They believe that he can play right tackle for this team. Drew Shelton can play right tackle. And he can play right tackle for us, and he can play right tackle for us right now. That's basically what they that that is what he said. The way I interpret it, I think the Olu being ready and Tangwell having to wait three practices is a little different. But when it comes to Drew Shelton and Caden Wallace, there there is going to be fierce competition for that position. And this is the place where I think Franklin is being candid, and sometimes you just got to take him at face value, what he says. And he talked about the idea where there's positions like tackle, where you have two tackles. You have a number one, number two, number three, and four, if you're going to be too deep. And his comment was, you have a number one on one side, wherever the number two is, that's where the number three goes to compete with him because the number three has the best chance against the number two. It's obvious this is what he was talking about. And the side benefit to this is, you know, Shelton is capable of playing left tackle. By him getting the experience at right tackle, you now have insurance against either one of those guys being injured. Even if Caden Wallace is your starting right tackle, you've cross-trained Drew Shelton to play either tackle position and be ready to step in where you're not going to your number four tackle overall. You're going to your number three tackle if there's something going on, right? Yeah, no, it's you're hundred percent right. And this is, this is more, you know, to me, it says more that, you know, we don't necessarily want to keep Drew Shelton off the field. 
We don't. But, you know, and he doesn't – he wants to play. He's, he, he's like, I want to play. And Caden Wallace is like, well, right tackle is my job. Well, now you got to earn it. So I, I think for James, you say it's truth. I just think this is bluntly revealing that, you know, we have three tackles and all three of them can play, and they're going to figure it out. You know, we know Olu's going to be the left tackle, and he's he's number one. But we have three that can play. The other two, are, they're going to have to figure it out. And I don't say that, that it being a negative about, you know, the way Caden Wallace played at the end of the year. I thought he played some of his best football. But I also think Drew Shelton can compete and play on this field for Penn State in 2023. No doubt that he can. Andy, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We've got more on James Franklin's press conference coming up in quarter number two. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galati. He's Andy Shea. And Andy, we are taking a look at James uh, Franklin's press conference from earlier this week. He put a lot of information out there. In quarter number one, we talked about the Deion Barnes hire for the defensive line coach. We talked about the offensive line a bit, specifically Drew Shelton moving to right tackle and competing with Caden Wallace. No discussion from a press conference would be complete without talking quarterbacks, though, Andy. Of course. 
And, you know, we talked both ways about James Franklin being really straightforward with some things and other times you've got to interpret it. Some of this conversation about quarterbacks, I think we're going to tap into that expertise of yours in coach speak interpretation. Uh, James Franklin pointed out that uh, Drew Aller and Bo Perbola would essentially be getting equal reps, but we all remember in a previous press conference where James Franklin said, Drew Aller will be first in line. There'll be a competition, but Drew Aller will go first. So in a way, you're calling Drew Aller your number one, but you're also telling Bo Perbola it's a competition. So there's that going on. But what has people really fascinated is that he also said something to the effect of, well, Bo Prabula might be getting even more snaps because we might be putting in some plays for him and using his skills that are different than Drew Aller's skills. What did you make of that? Because I had several people reach out to me with different interpretations. I want to know your take. So, yeah, I think this is um, this is a little bit of, of sort of new uncharted territory for James as, as the Penn State coach, right? Like, I think it was his second year you had Trace and, Trace and Tommy Stevens going out at the quarterback position. Since then, it, it's been you knew who the Penn State quarterback was going to be. Um, and I like he's, he's sort of foreshadowed in you don't get backup opportunities out of the transfer portal. Remember when he was talking about that? And he said that. Like, we're just not going to find that. And Drew Aller and Bo Perbula are very different quarterbacks. That is 100% for sure. I, I know that uh, from seeing both of them. And I think this is a case where not only James, but offensive coordinator Mike Yersich, he wants not just the quarterbacks, but he wants everybody on the offense to have a basic grasp of the un- and understanding of the difference between the two quarterbacks and the tweaks and differences in how this offense will operate. It's not a different offense, just in how it will operate with the two different quarterbacks having different strengths. It's it's not going to function the same with Drew, you know, if, if Bo Prabula has to play as compared to Drew Aller being the starter. That's not, and, and I said that doesn't mean that we're going to have two offenses. This is all about preparation, in my opinion. For this spring and this offense, it's all about preparation in the quarterback position. So this is preparation not only for your starter, it's preparation for your two quarterbacks that might you possibly have to have to use. And I also think it's about getting Bo Pabula comfortable in his own preparation, How, what he has to be prepared to do should he have to, you know, the one play and he has to step on the field and be that quarterback. And I think they got a good taste of how to do that and what they need to do and how they mentored Drew Aller through this. Now, his talent rose to the top, but how they managed and coached him had something to do with it as well. And they took him from him not, you know, a deer in headlights in the spring to by the time they were done with fall camp last year, they were like, yeah, he's QB two. That he's, he's ready, comfortable, and confident, and knows if he has to step on that field, what he can and what he has to do. And we saw that in the Purdue game right away. And I think they want to have, they need, they know now that they need to get Bo Prabula there. I think that is about that to me, that's what it's about more than anything. And 
At its core, this goes back to Iowa and Taquan Roberson. It can't be like that, and we're going to do it differently, and we're going to do it better, and it's going to look like this. That's what it means to me more than anything. I don't think this extends into camp. I think when you get to camp in August, I think it's more about ones and twos. But right now, I think it's about preparation for the position across the board for both young men. Andy, I think you got it exactly right. And oh, well, I had people. <laughs> well, I had people reaching out to me who thought, oh, is this a Tommy Stevens thing where he went in as the second quarterback on the field at the same time? Yeah, I no. had someone else say, "They is this a Will Levis thing where on nope. third and one, fourth and one, you're going to put in the quarterback who's a better runner? And I think it's a couple things, mostly about preparation, as you pointed out. I think uh, James Franklin still has nightmares of that Iowa game from two years ago and not having the backup quarterback ready. I think it's also about having shaping the offense. If worst case scenario, you do need to have Bo Perbola uh, play a significant amount of snaps. And Mike Yursich has showed himself to be pretty creative with his offense. When he realized he has three good tight ends, but not sure he had many wide receivers, we ended up with a T formation or the diamond formation where we had three tight ends on the field. Mike Yurses has showed that creativity. And one last item in all of this, Andy, is with the state of the quarterback position in college football, it is so hard to keep that backup quarterback Sure. engaged and happy and satisfied. And I think that is part of this equation. And I don't think of it as duping the backup quarterback. I think it's saying we haven't forgotten about you. We're even putting in special play or if not special plays, but we understand your skill set and we are going to be prepared for you to go on to the field, Andy, if need be. So, and the last thing is, don't forget, this is the at the core of this, in my opinion, Drew and Bo are vastly different quarterbacks in their strengths and weaknesses. And I think James said as much. He said Clifford and Aller were more similar than Aller and Prabula. He, he, he said it right there. There's your tea leaf and what the core of it is. And they are. They, when, if you watch them and know them and look at them like, you know, like we do, they're like, oh, my. They are vastly different in their strengths and weaknesses, and that is not a negative or a bad thing. It's just they have to – everyone else has to understand that they're different too, right? The receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, the offensive line. This is as much about everybody else as it is about the quarterbacks, but at the end of the day, it's about the quarterbacks. Exactly. A couple other things that went on. Uh, He talked about – he even threw the fans a bone. When he said that this year it looks like the spring game will be a more normal type of game. We have the depth to do that. And I believe a year ago when he went away from that model, yeah, there was an issue with the offensive line. Uh, There wasn't the depth to field two teams. And that was part of the decision. But I also think it was James Franklin just not wanting to play a normal scrimmage the way the blue-white game is. And I think there was a lot of negative blowback that came his way for for that from the fans. So I think him literally mentioning the fans, 70,000 of them potentially coming out and giving them a game, 
I think that's him adjusting his game plan because it, it hit a lot of negativity a year ago. Yeah, but they didn't have enough offensive linemen. He didn't have any choice last year, but I get the fans' perspective. They, they want it as good once as it ever was, right? It's still not going to be – it's James. He, it's still – his spring game is just this kind of wonky final practice that he puts square pegs in round holes, right? And and people want to see the players, but he's, you know, for lack of a – he doesn't care what the fans think about this game. He does. But he really doesn't because he's got he's got work to do. And it's not a traditional scrimmage, and there's nothing wrong with it. But as best as James can make it under that sort of, you know, little unique – wonky style that he's trying to make the old blue-white game and the way he sees their last practice functioning and the way he wants it to function, melding those two together, which is, again, square pegs and round holes. I think that's what you're going to get. And to me, it's still good enough. I mean, I've I've seen plenty of the old-school Joe blue-white games, and those were fun. But I've also, in person, been to a couple of the James ones over the years, and I'm like, now they, these you he gives you can see enough if you go there and sit in the stadium and I've done it I'm like yeah I'm learning stuff sitting here uh, and I'll, and he gives you plenty of things to watch and plenty of players to look at so I don't see anything wrong with it but I get the fans perspective and last year he didn't it was just they just didn't have enough linemen and I don't think that's going to be a problem anymore. No, I, I don't think it will be, and I think a lot of fans are going to be happy that there's it's a more normal uh, yes. spring game. Uh, he also, a few weeks ago, we started to see the new roster and the new weights that come in, and we all just so anxious for information. We jump all over it, and we read into it, you know, some of the players who have bulked up, put in more size. But James Frank, he was careful to say that he doesn't want more size at the price of athleticism. And Andy, I think James Franklin is very careful about what he says. And over the years, I could just pick out two times when he said something that I bet he would take back. One was that, you know, next step to get elite. Yeah, uh, after the comment. Ohio State loss. Yep. Right, that came back to haunt him. And I think when he talked about after the Penn State Michigan game, yeah, after the when Michigan he talked game about size, huh. yep. and that yep. made the rest of us say, "Oh, they got pushed around." Until everyone started watching the tape and reviewing it, it probably was not about size. It was probably they got out schemed and out coached in that game. Absolutely. So now he's got to be careful when he talks about size, doesn't he? Yeah, he has to be. He's he's just being careful, and he's kind of in his own way walking back what he said after the Michigan game in the heat of the moment. I discount it, but I get why he's being held a little bit accountable for it. But, I mean, size is now size is just part of the equation. But for me, when it comes down to it, speed and athleticism, and when it comes to defense, good tackling, they far outweigh just being big. So let me just give you a quick example, Jimmy. A walk-on next season who I know is going to walk on at Penn State, and I'm not going to say who it is because I know him. He weighs 210 pounds right now. For his position, when he reports to Penn State, James Franklin told him he needs to be 230 to 235 pounds and just as athletic as he is at 210 pounds. That is the only size he can be at 230 to 235 to compete. You need to be a, just a little heavier, but you can't lose an inch. And then maybe you can compete. That's the fine line we're talking about, Jimmy. 
All right, that is it for quarter number two. Stick around quarter number three. We take your questions and ask Andy. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's Andy. It's quarter number three. That means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions for Andy. Andy will pick the best question at the end. And if we remember to announce it, we will do so in quarter number four. The person who sends the best question, they'll get a prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. It'll be a great barbecue package, and it's going to include their new coffee barbecue rubs. I'll tell you what, guys, if you want to treat for yourself, check it out, 409tailgateclub.com. Andy, I've got a big tailgate coming up for the uh, blue-white game. Going to feature all kinds of 409 tailgate products. So just fantastic stuff, guys. All right, Andy, you ready to answer? Will I get an invite to your tailgate, Jimmy? Well, I I think you will, but you got to treat me nicely between now and then, though. You just said you're going to be doing barbecue, football, and you're going to be using 409 products. I'm like, that sounds like food, football, and fun. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm in. Right. All right. Let's get to our questions, Andy. Let's start with Jeff from Enola. He says, why hasn't Penn State offered Stone Saunders yet? He's the best quarterback in Pennsylvania. Aren't they putting themselves behind the eight ball in his recruitment by not doing so? 
bad decision. Uh, just a reminder, Stone Saunders, he's in the class of 25. He's out of Bishop McDevitt, right? He is. He is Bishop McDevitt High School's rising junior is the way to put it. He's a sophomore right now. He's a rising junior quarterback from Bishop McDevitt. He has been their starter since the moment he stepped on the field as a freshman, and he is going to break and set all of their passing records. He's ridiculously good. He's the, in 30 plus years of watching high school football, he's the best high school quarterback I've ever seen in person. And it's by a great distance. And I think the reason Penn State hasn't maybe offered him yet, I don't know if they just put out a cursory offer because, I mean, this kid's, he's going to be the number one quarterback in that class, Jimmy. I I, I, I just can't see how he's not. It's His skill set is ridiculous, and he makes like NFL throws already. And he's a big kid, and he has just the most ridiculous arm talent. And he hardly makes any bad decisions. It's just incredible. Even as a as a ninth grader, you watched him and you just were like, well, he's a fresh, you know, he's doing this as a freshman. And then he was even better as a 10th grader. That's not easy to do. Um, I, I just don't think Penn State has the quarterback chops at the position right now. I know fans don't want to hear that. They're like, well, we got five-star and Drew Eller. He, they haven't shown anything out of him yet in terms of development and play. And maybe it changes if Drew Eller has success, but I just think there's like three or four schools that are quarterback factories producing guys to the NFL, and and that is where his focus will be and where the focus of his recruiting will be. I, I, I hate to say that, but that that's just the way it is. I mean, his, his dad is a strength coach for the Ravens. His dad knows the NFL. And there is a path to get there, and there's a few schools that do it better than others. And I'm not saying Penn State is bad at the quarterback position. I think James is a he's a one of the best recognition of talent quarterback recruiters I think in the country. He knows it earlier and better than most right from the jump. And I just don't think they're going to be in with Stone Saunders at any given point. I just I fail to see it. I'll take a little different tact, uh, Andy. I think that uh, Penn State. There's a couple schools. You look at Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, uh, Alabama that have produced USC. USC now with Lincoln Riley. Right. It's a handful. Now, Stone Saunders, you've seen him personally and have a, uh, you know, a live scouting report from being there. But in the national rankings, he's not necessarily a five-star. He's not necessarily the number one quarterback in the country. There are at least a handful of other quarterbacks nationally who are rated ahead of them, ahead of him. So at Penn State, they may not be one of the top three or four or even five candidates for the top quarterback. But I think they should be in the top ten as far as looking for a quarterback and getting that caliber. Number two, I think also, Andy, we don't know some of the background in the recruiting sure. world, which is, is this a kid who's already indicated to Penn State? Look, guys, I'm sorry. When you're in Pennsylvania, you're either a Penn State fan 
or you're not. And yeah. maybe he grew up not. Maybe he just is like, I'm not going to Penn State. And you see that happen, and that's okay. You don't know what those other things are. What I don't think you should believe, though, is that Penn State, with a good player in their own backyard, are going to say, oh, we don't want them, you know, because we're just not very good at scouting. I think between James Franklin and Mike Yursich, you have two guys who are pretty good at scouting quarterbacks. So, you know, if some there is something else going on, it's not that Penn State isn't smart enough. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's. Well, I'm going to do one of our dual questions because we have both Steve from Chicago and Joe from Belmore, New York, asking very similar ca- uh, questions. Uh, Steve from Chicago says, "Hey, Andy, based on already tight scholarship count." There's still rumors that Penn State may want some more portal transfers. From which position groups do you expect to see some Penn State players enter the portal after spring ball? And Joe saying uh, the same thing. Any chance we're going to get another late addition? So I think the top position where Penn State could lose some players following spring ball is the wide receiver position. I do see wide receivers. Uh, going to the portal. My second thought might be the safety position. I think that is where Penn State could, you know, they potentially, it could just, you know, some guy, someone could end up fourth or fifth on the depth chart and just not see it. Um, In terms of incoming, I mean, they should always take defensive linemen, especially interior defensive linemen. If somebody's interested in Penn State and an interior defensive lineman wants to leave a major program, I would always think Penn State or even not even a major program, any power five program. uh, I would think Penn State would be interested in interior defensive linemen at the top of their list more than anything. And I think a, a subtle number two on the, where they might be interested in an incoming guy would be the running back position. That's a little sticky to say that maybe, but because you know why they got two studs that are young. They got two young studs there, but that room is a little light. And, you know, in terms of its depth and it's not a concern, um, but you certainly would take a little help to bolster it. If, if the right individual wanted to, you know, take a spot there, they they would, they could use some depth there. It's not, it's not a concern of mine. I don't think it's a concern of yours. I don't think fans are concerned about it, but in a perfect world, they could use some there. So I would say the running back position. Yeah, I think uh, you hit it uh, both correctly with Steve's question and Joe's question about outgoing and incoming with, with the transfer portal. Um, I just looked it up real quick. There, There's 12 wide receivers on scholarship. Yeah, that's I think a, that's top. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of guys. And yep. some, just doing the math, even with three wide receiver positions, Three guys have to be fourth string, and yeah. that's not what players want want to hear anymore. And yep. as far as incoming, yeah, I, I think if there's a 330-pound stud oh, who can play defensive tackle, yes, I am going to say that, oh, Andy. Jimmy. I know. You're ta- All right. Right. defensive tackle. Here we go. <laughs> let's move on. I'll tell you what. As long as we're hitting some sensitive topics, Andy, let's go here again. Steve from Columbia uh, says, Andy, 
So you are not alone on the mountain with your inane assertion of Hackenberg over Aller. You Thank are, you, Steve. No, you are Tom Hanks from Castaway, alone yes. on a tiny, tiny island in I the am. South Pacific, wearing a loincloth, spearfishing, and talking to a football that washed ashore named Christian. Okay, and God you, bless you. You My know what, Steve? <laughs> I love being wrong. I I have no problem. Jimmy knows this about me. I have no problem being wrong. I have no problem sticking my neck out there and getting it chopped off and being wrong. No problem at all. But all right, I well, let's standing let's, on my castaway boat. Let's get to Steve's actual question. He says uh, his question is: So, are we possibly going to be subjected to ten and ten thirty kickoffs? with the addition of USC, UCLA, and potentially other West Coast teams. Old folks like me struggled to stay awake for the conclusion of 8 p.m. kickoffs. Say it ain't so, Andy. Say it ain't so. Uh, sorry, Steve. You are going to need to do better off-season preparation as a college football fan. You're going to need to prepare yourself better to be able to go noon to midnight. Come on. That, that's <laughs> You're the Big Ten, and as a Penn State fan in the Big Ten, you want to watch USC or UCLA and Penn State, you're going to need to do some preparation, buddy. Andy, I'll tell you what. Folks have been calling in saying it's been a love fest here on our show. They're going to get what they're asking for here. I could not disagree with you more on this one, and let me tell you why. If USC is playing Penn State, they're not going to put that on at 10.30, Andy. I agree. <laughs> That's going to be either a late afternoon or evening game. It's not going to be at that 11.30 slot. And we also have to remember, at least as it currently is constituted with just USC and UCLA, remember what the television contract is. Fox is going to get the biggest noon game. Uh, CBS is going to get the biggest name in that late afternoon window. NBC is going to get the evening game, evening gaming in 730. So Penn State plays USC or even UCLA. If it's a four o'clock start, that means one o'clock start on the West Coast. Or a four o'clock start on the West Coast for a 730 prime time on the East Coast. That's what you will get, Steve. So... Ignore Andy out on his island talking to his little football that washed up with uh, named Christian. Trust me on this one, Steve. So, Andy, that is it for quarter number three. Stick around in quarter number four. I promise Andy and I will remember to name our winner. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante. He's Andrew P. Shea. Before we get back into our discussion of uh, James Franklin's press conference and the different things that he brought up, Andy, we need a winner from the Ask Andy segment. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Jeff and Enola. Uh, it's the off season. I know spring ball has started, and they're you know the practices are they're, they're counting now. They count they're they're counting. Um, but talking about recruiting in March, love it. So I'm going to go with Jeff and Enola. Very good. Uh, Jeff asked about uh, Penn State having not offered Stone Saunders, the quarterback from Bishop McDevitt. And that will be an interesting recruitment to follow, Andy. All right. Let's get back to James uh, Franklin's press conference from earlier this week. A lot of interesting things he brought up. And one of my favorite guys, first, is Mega Barnwell. He's in this freshman class. He's a tight end at least to start, Andy, he's, he came in, he was always listed at about 6'5", 250. He's now up to 260-something. And the question has always been, would he outgrow the tight end position? And James Franklin was asked about it, and he said, it, it's interesting. Well, first of all, I want your interpretation. He keeps saying, we want to give the players an opportunity to go to their position of choice. And it's pretty obvious Barnwell's position of choice is tight end. Now, do you you think James is humoring him or does he, is he really going to give him a legitimate shot at the position? This is a, it's a crowded house at the tight end in that tight end room. But this is, goes back to my favorite word to describe when James is speaking publicly is I feel it's earnest because I, I, by the way, I think he's closer to 270 than 260, Jimmy. But, and he might be 6'6 or 6'5, it doesn't matter. But, you know, he he's he's kind of a, you know, a, a, a welcome enigma. Because there's like 
five different ways you could go with him, right? Offense, defense, tight end, DN, O-line. Could he be a D-tackle? I, I mean, when you think about him, I James is going to where would you like an opportunity? And they have a stacked room already, so there's nothing to lose in this, by the way. Um, but I bet you when they – I could put a wager that the conversation in the coach's room ends up is we could try him at any of these to start. And they say that half joking and half serious at the same time. But I think you are, what James said is you owe it to the player to give them their best shot. But I just, I have a sneaky suspicion that this will not be his first and only position shot um, because he's kind of a large human freak, right? Like, it's just. It's like, where do you see him? It's like, I don't see him anywhere, but I see him everywhere, right? Like, that is this young man more than any recruit in the last five years. I think under James that I've seen in in looking at them as recruits, I'm like, where does this kid play on an FBS field? I don't know. But I also could say, well, I could see this kid playing in four or five different spots on an FBS field. And that's, that's just an honest answer. And he's almost 270 pounds and he could get bigger. Unbelievable. You know, until this press conference, I always felt that James Franklin, hey, kid, we'll give you a shot there at tight end, but we all know you're going to end up somewhere else. This was the first time I actually felt a little bit differently. And I'll tell you why. James Franklin made reference to, hey, we're seeing tight ends this size in college football. And specifically, Darnell Washington who's not the best tight end, was not the best tight end on the Georgia team. That was Brock Bowers. But Darnell Washington was this kind of size, and they put him on the field with Brock Bowers. That formed quite a tandem. And along yeah. with that, <laughs> we look at Penn State often playing two and three tight ends Correct. successfully. Mike Yurses yeah. has done that. And James Franklin mentioned – Putting him at that wide tight end, he would be in line at the on the line of scrimmage. Correct. You put him out there. Initially, he may look like that sixth offensive lineman, and may even act like that sixth offensive lineman. He is not, but he still has the ability to go out and catch a pass. I think he could be a real weapon there. And Andy, I just want to see this a guy this size go out and catch passes. The good thing is he has a long rope for development, Jimmy, because I don't think he's seeing a field sooner than later. There's just too much depth and talent there. There is, but if you're going to play three tight ends, and we have talked about this on the show, you know who your first two tight ends are. Maybe you have multiple of these young guys playing. One of them might be a better receiver, run better routes and do that kind of thing, beat you downfield. He may be your blocking tight end who could still go out and catch a pass. All right, let's hit a couple more items, Andy. Uh, James Franklin was asked about the wide receivers, and it struck me that every other position, when he was asked about it, he would name names. When he was asked about the wide receivers, he just spoke in generalities. I would call it a word salad type of answer we got from him about the wide receivers. And I don't think it was necessarily a knock on the wide receiver room. What I think it is, is we mentioned earlier, there's 12 scholarship players at wide receiver and any of the 12 might end up getting playing time next year 
And I don't think James Franklin or anyone else knows which ones they're going to be. I, I agree with you. And I also think there's a, a bit of a second factor here, right? Don't forget. I mean, they fired their wide receiver coach and they hired a new coach and they have 12, got 12 players on scholarship. And I really think he's trying to tamper the expectations at this position externally for as long as he can, because, you know, and that's why you're getting the word salad because I don't necessarily think they're ready to reveal what they know. And I, 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 it's not that they don't know. I think they need to see and learn and know more to be able to comfortably and confidently talk about this publicly in less of a word salad manner. That's just where the wide receiver receiver position is. And you don't want to put unnecessary heat on your new position coach. Not that you don't want, you're not going to challenge him, but if James Franklin came out and started, you know, putting bright lights on the wide receiver position where it's at right now, he's doing a disservice to the 12 guys who are on scholarship and, and the position coach. Cause I, frankly, they, they're not saying they don't know, but they're saying they're not sure. And, that's there's nothing wrong with that going into spring ball. And I mean, you and I could name seven guys we think could play one of the starting three wide receiver positions in a matter of seconds. Right. But when you reveal those seven names, it doesn't matter which combination either one of us uses. We're going to ask more questions in the following 30 seconds than we can could give answers for in the following 30 seconds. Right. And I think in some ways the coaching staff, they're doing the same thing. Thing and you just fired your position coach and hired a new one. Don't I, I can't get past that as a driving factor. You want to set him up for success. And Andy, I think the most important point you made was that last one where you said either one of us could name seven or eight guys who could possibly be a starting wide receiver by the middle of the season. And where I disagree is I don't think they do know. They it's hey there's eight players who could potentially be there. And that potential just means potential means you haven't done it yet. Okay. And they don't have the wide receivers there who have done it yet. There's even a, you know, Dante Cephas comes in. Yeah, he did it, but it was at Kent state. You know, you know, you have McLean coming in from Florida state has all the physical tools, but we haven't seen him on the field do it. And you could talk about all of the returning guys the same way, Andy. So it is going to be it. It's a story that is still unfolding. We don't right. know where it's headed. Yep. I, there was one other thing that uh, James Franklin said, and I haven't heard it, anybody else talk about it, Andy, and maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of it than I should. But there was a question about the defense, or at least uh, James Franklin's answer was about the defense. And he said something to the effect, he wants to get the best 11 on the field on defense. And I found that fascinating because we've had these conversations about the linebacker position, even defensive tackle, where it's like, where's the one technique? Where's the guy who's 330, 340? Well, maybe you put two, three technique guys or three technique bodies out there because they're the better players. And maybe just the way Manny Diaz coaches it and the way he moves his players around Give me 11 guys who can play football. And no, I don't want 11 cornerbacks on the field. I get that. But there's a little bit of gray area now between a linebacker and a safety. 
and a linebacker and an edge rusher, isn't there? There could be. This isn't about position versatility and who are the best 11 setting up. To me, this is... Uh, there's some foreshadowing in this, in, in my opinion, and and we joke, right? That like Penn State has what 16 starters on defense, maybe 15, 16, whatever. That's not a problem. This is splitting hairs a little bit, but I I think this is a they they have a lot of different combinations that they can use, and that <laughs> that is an asset, right? That is that is a huge component of this defense. But I think what James is saying is. We need to figure out when the chips are down or what our go-to is, who are the 11 guys that we are going to put on the field and where are they? Yeah, not position versatility, but where, who and where. And he's kind of issuing a challenge to himself and his staff and saying in a welcome kind of way is our challenge and our job is to figure this out. When it's, when it's that tight moment, not what the game dictates and what's going on in that moment. Who are we identifying as our 11 guys that we are going to put in the field? We're not saying that's our starting 11. We're saying when we need to go to it, who is our 11 guys that are, we're going to put on the field. Who is our, not as our starting 11, who is our, when we needed our best 11. And that is the way I see it. And I see it as him challenging himself and the staff. Because they they have a welcome problem. They have 16 starters. And a year ago, Andy, Abdul Carter comes in. He's one of your 11 best players, but he plays the same position as Curtis Jacobs. You know what? We find a way to get them both on the field. I'm wondering if this year, you know, we're hearing all this talk about Tony Rojas. Maybe he doesn't fit the traditional position, but you know what? This kid's one of our 11 best. Correct. So to your point, Let's find a way to get him on the field. And I trust Manny Diaz to be able to do that. Andy, that is it. We're out of time. It went fast. Thank you so much, Andy, for all the info. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.